this new netflix thing i don't know what the hell it's called but basically it's like a a weird mix of a cooking show and like a kid's horror puppet show like it's this i don't know like 30 year old girl that lives in this old gothic mansion and she has these puppets that she talks to which are like a a mummified cat and (laughs) and shit like that but then she'll bake cakes Mm -hmm. and and like i didn't watch any of this i'm all going off what she said but she'll like bake a cake and then it cuts to a scene of murder. What? <laughs> and they were like, who is this show intended for? <laughs> like, it's not intended for kids because I guess there's somewhat graphic murder. But there's weird puppets like it's intended for kids. And then it's a cooking show. <laughs> mm. It's like, who is this made for? <laughs> it's made for a wide audience. Yeah, it's made for everyone. <laughs> There's a little bit of something for everyone. <laughs> Do you like cooking? No. What about puppets? I'm not into puppets. How about murder? Okay. <laughs> like me some murder. <laughs> All right, Steve, what are we talking about today? Plot holes. Plot holes. Goddamn plot holes. We're talking about pot holes. It's like, no, no, no. It's like, what? Getting I've baked done, on I've holes. I've done so much research on pot holes. <laughs> Plot holes and uh, watching different movies. Yeah, having a, a wide variety of films that you've seen and not watching the same kind of movie over and over. Yeah. Even if you like that kind of movie. Alright, so I'm going to launch in this plot hole thing. Mm. I came to Latif with this because I saw. I went to go see Bad Times at El Royale. And before I went, a guy I work with was like, I've only, I haven't heard anything about it except for that there's a giant plot hole in it. I was like, well, that sucks. I'm still going to go see it. But so I went to see it and the whole time I'm looking out for this plot hole and I couldn't find it. So a spoiler, I'm about to ruin some of bad, bad times at El Royale for you. And I really, really liked it, so I'd recommend you go see it before you listen to this. But if you don't want to, whatever, just listen. Um, so I, I couldn't find this plot hole, and I decided to go online and t- type it in, find out what it was, and I found an article that said the biggest problem with El Royale is it has a giant plot hole. So I clicked on it. There's a murder that happens right at the beginning. And the person that wrote this article, his argument was the plot hole was you never find out who did it. And I got really, really, really angry at this. (laughs) So I'm about to rant for a little while. First off, that's not a plot hole. A plot hole is when there's a problem with the world you've constructed that makes it so that world and the hole makes it so that the world couldn't exist. Like you've went against your own rules of your universe. That's a plot hole. If you don't find out something, that's just you not finding out something. It isn't a plot hole, and whoever wrote that article is an idiot. And B, to B, whatever, you do find out. If you watch the movie, it's in there. They tell you who did it. So I'm like, A, this guy's an idiot, and B, you find out. And the thing that really got to me was, like I said, I really enjoyed the movie, and people that haven't seen it and didn't know anything about it 
somehow managed to find out that there was a giant plot hole when really there wasn't. So it pissed me off that this movie kind of had a bad rep in um, the zeitgeist, even though that didn't happen in the movie and the person that wrote it just happened to be a viral idiot. Also, if this happens to get to the person that wrote the article, I'd love to have you on the show. This is Return of Angry Mad. And oh, I'd like to talk to you. <laughs> We'd love to have him on the show so we can record an audio fist fight. <laughs> so, yeah, that got me really, really angry. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Latif now and see what he thinks of this plot hole dilemma. A plot hole in a film, a lot of the times, it'll really bug people. You know, I have friends who like to go watch films with me, and they're really. One of them's like super ain't all about like plot points and stuff like that so if something doesn't make sense or if something scientifically isn't sound or there's like a story element that doesn't really add up he like focuses on that way too much and ends up not enjoying the experience personally like i i've never really had a problem if there are plot holes in films i think some movies i really liked do have plot holes in them but i liked the movie so much I was just able to not care but you know in this case I don't really think there are any plot holes in the film um so if someone just like uses like a sensational word like oh it's got plot holes or says something like it's got a weak story or generalizes a movie in some way and throws it out there it's very easy for for people who uh read that without seeing the film to kind of dismiss it I don't think that's a great way to paint a film like I really liked the movie Interstellar for example mm-hmm. and then a f- couple of friends of mine were like yeah but there's a huge plot hole in the movie I'm like I don't care where's the really plot s- hole? Okay. huh? what is it? Uh, I think I think it was like the point that um, they fa- they just like uh, happened to bump into this NASA like space secret space like colony or whatever Matt Damon no it wasn't a colony it was like no um, on earth but I think that was part of the story anyways hold on I'm gonna google it I never really paid attention to it I was I was cool with everything it was just a very emotional movie and it kind of made me sad at the end and I think that's all I really cared about I wasn't too worried about like if the story made sense yeah, I mean, there's tons of movies with plot holes that people love. And another thing is, like, sometimes people get really uh, turned off by a movie if the story is simple, which I think is stupid. Because I don't think a story necessarily needs to be complicated for it to be a good movie. Some of my favorite films have very simple stories, but they're just told very well, so. I just googled interstellar plot holes. And the first article that came up was 15 maddening interstellar plot holes. The first one. Tell me if you think this is a plot hole. Wouldn't it have been way better for Professor Brand, Michael Caine, to just send super robots? It's not a plot hole. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, no, it wouldn't have been. Because we'd be watching super robots go into space compute. and complete the mission in six <laughs> minutes. And that's not a movie. Man. <laughs> We should make that as a short. Oh, I've already made that. Oh, yeah? <laughs> it was so bad I didn't put it out there. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But Oh, imagine if you got yeah. Michael Caine for a short, and it was like, 
we have to save the planet. It's dying. I know. I'll make super robots. And he it's makes them. Fantastic. <laughs> makes Send them. them. Sends them out. They come back. How did it go? Successful. That's the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this article? Is there a name? Uh, Entertainment Weekly. James Hibbard. Listen, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Sending space robots into space to fix it is not a plot hole. That's a dumb solution that <laughs> fixes everything. If you had super robots that could fix things in every movie ever, it would fix things. Take we, that, James. We should add this as a plot point to Space Turtles in Space. Space Turtles in Space with super robots. <laughs> their only weakness is Space Turtles. <laughs> so, so they're doomed. Uh, but yeah, like, to, to round it out, just because you didn't like something or an aspect of something, you can't call it a plot hole. Yeah. It's like sometimes they legitimately happen where there is something in the movie that you set up, you contradict it later. That is a plot hole. Mm-hmm. If you didn't like something or if you wanted more super robots, that's not a plot hole. <laughs> what are his other points? Okay. Um... It's a lot to lot to read, lot to read, to read. So I'm just gonna sum it up. Yeah. You know, what? I'm just gonna read the whole thing. Two. There's a reference to land wars having come and gone, but still, wouldn't the starving hordes of desperate humanity kill the farmers and take what's left? Are we really supposed to believe in a so- uh, in a society where the military has collapsed, they just slink away their dusty cars to die? At the very least, wouldn't they raid the cornfields for all the food? All the food. Clearly, Nolan has never worked in a restaurant. What? This sounds. It sounds like he's not. Um, he doesn't believe the the way the world is at this point. It's like these are the kind of things that you just can't satisfy. Mm-hmm. And I think I think this is like very similar to like a fr- the friend I was referring to who just it's being way too nitpicky. Yeah, yeah. Dude, like you're just thinking way too much about things that you're not supposed to. I don't even think that's a plot hole. I think that's just his, like he doesn't like how the world works. Yeah, like that's something where he he's saying, if I had written this, I would have set up this fictional world yeah. differently. Just because you didn't like that aspect of the world doesn't mean it's a plot hole. Yeah. I mean, opinions up for interpretation, so I'm sure to this person it was bad. But being bad in... Having an opinion of it's bad doesn't make it flawed in a plot hole sense. Like, what's an actual really good example of a plot hole in a movie? Oh, buddy. I'm really excited to Google this. (laughs) I'm blanking. Yeah, can't really think of one. Which is ironic, because everyone's got a million. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 25 best ones. You know what? Let's just jump to number one. Number one, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. Okay, what's the plot hole? The plot hole. The bigger problem caused, caused by Lucas Retcon is that Obi-Wan's daft scheme to protect Anakin's son makes zero sense. Now that Anakin is full-on evil, he's going to want to put every measure in place to Vader from finding his spawn. Sure, Ben. <laughs> Let's take Luke back to his dad's home planet. Leave him with his family and keep the surname Skywalker. That'll work. It doesn't even do Obi-Wan any favors since he's forced into exile on a shitty desert planet that he clearly loathes. 
I don't know if that's a plot hole. Yeah, I'd say that one's debatable. It's dumb. I think it's a it's a choice the character makes, but I don't really think that's a plot hole. I don't think it's a plot hole either. Like, I think like, and I love Star Wars. I'm not trying to show on Star Wars, but maybe he should take him somewhere else. Having said that, not a plot hole. I don't even like Star Wars, and and that's not a. Plot we just hole. lost half our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> I don't like a lot of things that people like. <laughs> Hold on, let's go to the number two one. Shawshank. Everyone's seen Shawshank. The plot hole. Andy escapes and his empty cell isn't discovered until the next morning by the warden, who yanks away the Raquel Walsh poster on the wall to discover a hole. I'm not sure what stretches belief the most. The fact that Andy's first instinct after decades of activity was to nearly reattach the poster to the wall or that he was able to achieve this from inside the tunnel. That's not a plot hole. Yeah, I don't think it's a plot hole either. It's impressive that he's able to. It wouldn't be that hard, though. No, I don't think so. The guy dug a hole through, like, 30 feet of wall. You just detach the two bottom pieces, and you go in and you pull it back. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to have a whole episode on this. This list is awful. Oh, number five, Dark Knight Rises. An unpopular opinion, I really like Dark Knight Rises. I know you aren't huge on it. Mm. Okay, the plot hole. In an attempt to flesh out Bane, Commissioner Gordon sends the entire... Gotham police force underground. Why all of them? Why not send half of them and keep the rest on reserve in case the whole lot gets gassed or can turn into an army of brainwash killers or something? Because Gordon's thoughtless decision, Bane takes over an entire city. Maddest part, when Batman tries to stop the cops, months later they all appear fresh-faced. Okay. That's not a plot hole. That's not a plot hole. Again, it's stupid. He shouldn't have sent all of them. And the where they're all fresh-faced, there's... In the movie, they're getting supplies and stuff. I mean, sure, it's improbable they would get razors, but I don't think it's a plot hole. No, I don't think so. Oh, man. No, uh, we got to find one plot hole on this list. Like, one legitimate one. Star Wars Rogue One. Um, plot hole towards the end of the movie, R2-D2 and C-3PO are spotted bantering away inside the rebel hangar of the Avon 4 while the rebel fleet departs. This is a very interesting development in the Star Wars canon. In A New Hope, which takes place about 20 minutes later, the pair are on board Leah's ship, which is a part of the rebel fleet. What gives? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember the movie. Okay, so basically, um, the start of Star Wars 4, mm-hmm. R2-D2 and C-3PO, the droids, are on Leia's ship. Okay. And the end of Rogue One takes place, like, seconds before number four mm-hmm. and at the end of which i i don't know if i believe this i'd have to watch it again but if this is true the end of this which is minutes before four they're on the planet and not the ship so they just like moved too fast i guess i don't think that's a plot hole. i think it's just bad, yeah bad timing yeah i don't know if it is it, it's the closest thing though i mean they're in the future <laughs> they can move quite fast yeah they have hyperspeed and they can teleport you know star wars and their teleporter beams no 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 if you're killing me right now <laughs> on a totally different note i'm looking through plot point or plot holes and one of the comments it, whoever it was deleted himself but he's like yeah in like in threat level midnight <laughs> that's a good example actually that thing is full of plot holes 
Yeah. Watch when Michael Scott from The Office makes Threat Level Midnight. That those are plot holes and plentiful at that. Doesn't the room have plot holes in it too? Uh yeah. Well, uh, I don't know if it actually has plot holes. It has plot points that are dropped on a dime all <laughs> over the place. But plot holes. I don't know about that. And, like, I think all of this is pointing towards something that, like, legitimate plot holes are extremely rare. Like, we're actively trying to find them right now, and we kind of can't. It's hard to, yeah. Yeah. So I guess, like, that's something to take away in your writing, too. Like, if it's something you're worried about, just have thought out your your script and your story. You should be good, you know? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, if there's if there's something that if there's a choice or something like that in a film that you don't like, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a plot hole. Mm-hmm. It just means you don't like the choice that was made there. But if there's something in the in the world of the film that is that goes against the the rules of that world, or that is like irrational or unbelievable I think that's kind of a plot hole mm-hmm. like if there's a courtroom drama and out of nowhere God's fist shows up and, <laughs> and kills the villain probably a plot hole uh, I don't know if that's a plot hole but <laughs> that's also a choice but you know yeah it's tough yeah, bottom line, plot holes, rare, and don't go around just saying things are plot holes. If you do, you're just a dick. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't like a movie, you just say you don't like it without having to pick at it. Mm-hmm. I didn't like Bad Times at El Royale. I know, I can't believe it. It was so good. Um, but, yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about it. I just didn't like the movie. But, um, yeah. But you're not claiming there's plot holes. No. No. <laughs> I think that's one thing, too. Like, sometimes people will watch a film and they'll really want to like it or have high expectations or they won't like it and they'll really, like, try to go at it. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes people focus on a movie they don't like so much that that's become where their energy is going. Yeah. Like, when I don't like a movie, I just forget about it and Mm -hmm. try to watch something I like. But sometimes you might just get so... Like, like you'll just be filled with rage and and go write an article or or just, like, shit-talk a movie. Yeah. Because you've got nothing better to do. You know what? This brings up another interesting point. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion on this. I think we've ever talked about this before. Um, Should you go around... Should you be a movie critic if you're trying to be a filmmaker? What's your opinion? Do you mean like you write articles? Yeah. And... Oh, okay. Yeah, like online dude, you you see all the new stuff, you write articles, you publish them. I don't think you shouldn't be a movie critic if you're also a filmmaker. You might have more insight than your average movie critic because you kind of know how the filmmaking process works. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you got to be careful. Yeah. If you make films, but you also critique them, you have opinions on other people's work and someone says your film is garbage or something like that to you you can't get offended because you do the same thing um 
to other people. So, you know, if you're going to be a movie critic, but you're also a filmmaker, just know that other people will also critique your films and stuff like that. But, you know, like in general, like I, I don't really pay attention to movie critics or look at movie reviews. I don't even watch promotional stuff for movies. I don't like to watch trailers and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just kind of see an actor or a director behind a film and I'll kind of know if I want to see it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people live and die by movie reviews. Like, they won't watch something unless it's got, like, a certain number or score or whatever. Um, that's kind of how I feel about that. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole industry in itself. So. Yeah. But the industry wouldn't really exist without the film industry oh totally so yeah there's that yeah what about you I, I don't think you should be a movie critic if you're trying to to make movies maybe like a movie critic and you only talk about why you love something but I don't think it's in your best interest to go around shitting on a bunch of stuff while you're trying to break into it like sure talk to your friends like I didn't like this movie here's why but posting stuff negative online and like tearing other people's work apart publicly I think that's something you should avoid yeah I mean even if you're like a you know a level headed person and you're trying to give an honest review of a film you don't like it's very hard to to do that gracefully (laughs) even if you don't intend on hurting people or if your goal is not to just like rip someone's work apart it's very difficult to not say something good about someone's film and um, have it received well. I think that's just the the reality of this that industry. Ever anyone who, and like anyone who's worked on the project, will read it and not feel good about it. Yeah. So that's just it's like another another like hurdle to to overcome, along with being a filmmaker and then also trying to be a movie critic. Yeah, it, it just gets muddled up. So, yeah. in your best interest, it wouldn't be good to be a movie critic and a filmmaker. But there's no reason why you can't do it. Yeah. But generally, like, everyone is in their own way is kind of a movie critic. Mm-hmm. The way that people talk about films and everyone's got a very strong opinion on everything. And just don't uh, go into it to bash people. Yeah. yeah. Like, I bet you if this plot hole guy from Bad Times at El Royale went up to Drew Goddard and was like, Hey man, will you help me make my next thing? be like aren't you that guy that wrote that bullshit article about bad times <laughs> like it wouldn't get your foot in the door you know we've uh, thoroughly covered plot holes at this point <laughs> um alright you got the floor what do you think you may have a limited access or experience with certain types of films so I think it's important to broaden your your uh catalog of uh films and see things that aren't normally uh, movies you'd be attracted to so mm-hmm. go out and watch some foreign films and some films from like the 50s and 60s and get a little bit of a uh, taste for all different types of cinema as opposed to just watching like whatever is new and appealing to you it might be in your best interest to watch something that's very out of left field and sometimes experimental or if you've only seen experimental films and an art house cinema, you might want to go watch something a little more commercial just to see. Yeah, like uh, I think a good example in terms of like 
just myself is um, when we went sat down to make this new movie. We've talked about this before. We watch reference movies, and you told me like, "You're probably gonna hate it. Watch Into the Wonder, or To, to the, the Wonder." Movie. Sorry, and uh, I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay. It's not something I'd usually watch, but I was." blown away by it and it ended up being one of our biggest like references to how we wanted this next movie to look and Mm -hmm. you know for a large part i think we achieved that and having you know if i was like ah to the wonder i don't want to watch that piece of crap who who would know like the movie we just made would have looked worse i would have i you know you can't know for sure because that's an alternate reality but i thoroughly believe that because of watching that and the influence it took on this movie and me and I know you're a huge fan of that cinematography as well yeah like we borrowed a lot from that and it's some of the most beautiful shots we have in this new movie is because of that Mm -hmm. you know and all it took was expanding the horizons a little bit right yeah because like the way that you become interested in filmmaking is usually you see something that inspires you or, or kind of moves you and you'll be drawn to that kind of work but unless you turn on the headlights and, and look a little wider and, and try to see stuff that you normally wouldn't see, you're not going to know what else is out there. You're not going to know what else you're missing. Um, and I think that was important for me as well. Like I've, I've seen so many weird and different films I, I wouldn't go and see normally. And even going to the theaters, like there are a few movies that I'll, I'll always kind of go to watch movies. Um, go to watch... Uh, in the theater in the theater and it's usually space films <laughs> yeah I, you're a big fan of those eh? yeah I like watching anything to do with space in a big theater because I feel like that's a really great way to watch mm. those films better than on your phone <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but I go and watch a lot of independent films um, in theaters as well uh, so like I, I'll see like Interstellar or The First Man or The Martian or anything like that in a theater and you know those are very big commercial films that mm. that a lot of audiences see but I'll go and watch really small independent films too um, and it, I think it's good to have a very wide range of, of films in your uh, in your catalog because you gotta know you gotta know what's out there to, to understand the language of, uh, of cinema you, you need to know what uh, what else is out there I think you become very limited if you've only seen one kind of film and you try to make something because you'll replicate the one thing you know. Yeah. Like if you only watch Quentin Tarantino movies. You're, you're going to try, try to make, make it. Them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, just as like a fun little thing for the audience, if you were to recommend one movie that you saw, let's say in theaters, that was kind of out of your wheelhouse and it you ended up loving it and it influenced you to become... You know, a better filmmaker, writer, director, whatever it is. What would it be? Well, I'll name I'll name three films that are kind of kind of weird, but like they definitely had a big effect. One was in the mood for love by Wong Kar Wai. He's a director from Asia. He's it's a foreign film. It's in uh, Cantonese, I think, and that was a really amazing film definitely had a big influence on me um another one was The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick yeah you talk about that one all the time yeah that's that's probably one of my favorite films of all time uh, it's very poetic and it, it 
to me it was very personal when I saw it I, I related to it in a strange way that I didn't think I would and and I saw that film before I went to film school or I had any idea that I wanted to get into filmmaking was uh, that the one for you? Uh, yeah, that that one and and the one after, but like the Tree of Life, I I saw it and then I was like, I've never seen a movie like this. It was very strange, and I think the first two times I tried watching it, I fell asleep. Really? Yeah, because I in was in the theater. No, no, I I was watching them on uh, on Netflix, I think. Okay. But I fell asleep both times because I was very sleepy, and I think one time I was very bored. Hmm. <laughs> was in the. F- the first time I actually went through the whole film, I was like, wow, that was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then the first movie that I saw that really kind of got me into all of it was Children of Men. Oh, cool. And that one's... And, and all those films are very different in terms of uh, their style, and you take them in very differently. One of them's got a very clear story. One of them is super abstract. Yeah. And uh, In the Mood for Love... Uh, it's got a very limited point of view, which I think is a very interesting film, but it's very slow. It's very quiet and very understated. So those films had a huge effect on me. Um, and they're really weird and kind of different. And uh, yeah, and they're very personal. Like, I don't think those are films that I like because other people like them. Those are films that like I connected to in my own weird way. So mm-hmm. yeah. That's fair. I recommend those ones. Sweet. How about you? Um, mine are going to be different than yours, and for different reasons too. But I think, like, I don't, I didn't have one movie where it was like I watched that and I was like, oh my god, I gotta make movies. Like, I think it was a slow build for me. But I remember the first time I remember thinking, hey, it'd be cool to make a movie. Was I think it was fourteen. And uh, just before I say what movie it was, there's a, we talked earlier about like critical reviews and whatnot, mm-hmm. and you shouldn't really let those sway you. And I think that's a test. This next movie is a testament to that because a lot of people hate this movie, like hate it. <laughs> and I love it. Maybe it's because I look back on it, you know, with fourteen year old eyes. And when I first saw it, I was blown away and everything. But um, you're probably gonna hate this. <laughs> uh, the f- the second, I guess, Punisher movie ever made, the one with Tom Jane in it and uh, John Travolta. Uh, I've never seen it. Never seen it? No. I, you should check it out. Like, I think it's very, very underrated. It's, I really liked it. And like I said, I still really like it. I don't know if it's because of nostalgia or whatnot, but walking out of that was the first time I distinctly remember being like, oh, it'd be cool to make a movie. No idea like that you could make movies or anything. Just like, that'd be cool one day. And then the thought left, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to cheat and throw in one short film too. Um, have you ever seen the short film Helium? German movie? Uh, Little kid has cancer. He's in a, like hospice basically and he oh, befriends yeah. a janitor. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, what do you think of that one? It's the one where he kind of escapes on a balloon. Yeah. I thought it was good. I don't remember it very well. Okay. Well, it's on YouTube. You, everyone should check it out. It's like 24 minutes long or something. It won the Oscar for Best Short, whatever year it came out. But I remember that. Like, I'm not a huge fan of kids. <laughs> and... And we lost some audience members there. Yeah. Not... 
not that anyone is, but not a huge fan of like cancer or hospital stories or anything like that. I'm kind of a fan of cancer. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> Let's go get those cigarettes. <laughs> trying to lose our last seven viewers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, having said that, like I'm not a big fan of those kinds of stories. Not a big fan of of kids and like the hospital stories and whatnot. And that's all this is. It's a kid befriending a janitor in a hospital. Mm-hmm. Something you'd think I would hate, but it was so emotional and just heartfelt that I remember like watching it in my room on YouTube and be like, oh my God, am I going to cry right now? <laughs> like, this is really getting me. And just mm-hmm. the, one of the first feelings I remember of like being heartbroken in like a bad, but also good way from a movie I'll never forget that. And Helium did that for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, which, you know, I'm pretty, I really like plot movies. Like, I really like it. Um, Punisher's plot heavy. Helium's pretty plot heavy. But when you told me to go see Patterson at mm-hmm. VIF a couple of years ago, I had a buddy ask me, because I, I recommended Patterson after I saw it. He's like, well, what happens? I'm like, the best way I can describe this movie is nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And it is a movie where nothing happens like i can't overstate that enough but i loved it like i adored it i remember i saw it with my wife it ended and i was just like sitting in the seat she's like matt are you okay like they should just push play again this was unbelievable loved it loved it and again like those all three of those movies are very very different you know but i've taken different things from different or different things from the different movies at different points in my life and yeah you know that's what helps you become the storyteller and filmmaker you're gonna be right whereas if i saw punisher when i was 14 i was like i don't want to see anything other than these punisher movies <laughs> and all you watch was the punisher <laughs> yeah then i'd try and make a punisher movie right and it wouldn't be any good um so yeah definitely get out there and like you'll see movies that you won't think will be your thing and you know Maybe you'll see those movies and you'll hate them. Mm-hmm. But every now and then you'll get a movie that you don't think is going to be your thing and you're going to love it and it's going to, like the tree of life with you, it's going to impact you in a very heartfelt, spiritual way. Yeah. And it'll kind of change the way you look at it. You know, it's funny. It was, I saw Children of Men and I was so blown away by it, but I had no... I must have been in like ninth grade when I saw that. Okay. And I was seeing it in the theater I, I have no idea why I want to watch that <laughs> but I was so like it was so compelling and I, I didn't understand why I liked it so much mm. and when the Tree of Life came out I had the same feeling and it turns out it was the same cinematographer who shot oh. both of those films and I think just the, the visual storytelling was it, it was so it, it spoke to me so much yeah. that I was like oh and when I find out it was the same cinematographer, I was like, that's why I like it so much. Yeah. This person's eye is so compelling to me. Who is your favorite cinema- uh, cinematographer? It's probably that guy. Who is it? Uh, Emmanuel Lubezki. Okay. What else I mean, did he now, do? Now he's like one of the top cinematographers in the film industry. Mm. And I really liked him before anyone knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> Back when he was making those weird art films that people hated <laughs> um but to be fair he's he's made a lot of movies and I th- i'm sure people knew who he was before 
I mean, I was so young when I when I saw his films. So to me, I, I just thought like, wow, this is so cool. And I didn't realize until I was older that it was him that I was very inspired by. Um, but yeah, he's he's made, you know, he shot The Revenant and Birdman and mm-hmm. Gravity and all of Malick's newest films. So he has all of the Oscars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's very talented. But uh, yeah, I, I also really like Roger Deakins. Those yeah. are very, those are he's two awesome. very uh, cliche answers. Yeah. Roger Deakins. I always, <laughs> I always mess up this guy's name. But uh, Van Hoytema, Interstellar oh, and her. Hoyta what do you Van think of Hoytma. that guy? Oh, he's super talented. How do you say his name? Hoyta Van Hoytema. Yeah, that guy is awesome. Like his cinematography is. I don't know if that's his name. I'm just saying stuff. Oh, okay. Well, I bought it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. His yeah. work is amazing. As yeah, well. dude's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there are other really. The Place Beyond the Pines. I thought that was a great movie, too. Yeah, you really like that one, eh? I did. That one. Yeah, that one really. Saw that in theaters. Didn't know I was going to watch. And after the movie, I was like, wow. Was it the generational thing that really hit you? Yeah. And even just seeing the that cop at the end of the movie and just yeah. like his his change in in life and how everything had an effect on him. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that filmmaker, Derek's Sign France as well. Yeah. So. Blue Valentine, man. Another reference movie from yeah. our new one. Yeah. Well, the point is go out and watch watch some movies from people you wouldn't normally you know, go see some Jim Jarmusch films and Yeah. Watch some Scorsese but some David Fincher, mm-hmm. you know the usual American directors that everyone watches. But you know, go go watch some Wong Kar Wai and some Ho Shao Shin, and and watch some South African films and and some Mexican filmmakers. And yeah. it's a lot out there. Just because I loved it so much, and he has been on the podcast before. On this note, I gotta recommend check out I Had Strings. Just YouTube. I had strings. Short film. It's oh, it's so good. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. By uh, Adam Marujimu, who was yes. on our show. Yes. Very talented dude. Wait, there's one more short film that I'm gonna recommend. All right, do it. I saw this film and I thought, wow, this was so good. Who who made this? And Is I'll it one of you yours, Latif? No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Check out Spider. Dick moves. That would be. He's an amazing He's filmmaker. Funny, actually. You gotta see his films. Go to www.latifffilms. <laughs> I was like, screw you. Well, he's a very famous director now, but when I saw this short film, I was like, wow, that was really good. It was really creepy. It's a film called. It's a short film called Next Floor. Oh, this is the uh, Denis Villeneuve, isn't it? Yeah. I, I remember seeing this short film. It came out on Vimeo. It's called Next Floor. It's fucking weird. It's just like a really gritty, dark, gross-looking short film. It's kind of disgusting. Not in like the usual disgusting ways either. Like in a um, gluttonous way. Yeah, it's disgusting. Like how Seven made you feel. <laughs> uh, but less violent. Less Not violent, violent at all. Yeah, I mean straight gluttony. Th- like the way Seven looked. It really reminded me of the the film uh, Next Floor, but yeah, go watch Next Floor. It's a really weird short film that I liked. Yeah. 
Right. Thanks for listening. It's been Filmcraft. And Pippa. Yeah, brought to you by Pippa. Pippa.io, podcast hosting service. It's awesome. It's cheap. They're cool. Get Pippa. Okay, bye. <laughs>